Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 89. Today, Joel Hatch has Dr. Chris Heilman on the phone to talk about the psychology of recovery. So if it's your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Trail Manners Podcast. This is episode 89. I'm your host, Joel Hatch. Eric Manning is not sitting in on this call today. But we have our guest from Idaho, Dr. Chris Heilman. Did I say your last name right? That's dead on, yes. All right. Well, Chris, thank you for joining us today. Um, We brought you in because one of our loyal listeners, Curtis Thompson, sent us a request He's injured, and he said, guys, how do you handle psychologically coming back from an injury? So Eric and I got to thinking, we're like, all right, who do we know that can answer this question? And I was like, well, I know the folks down at the University of Utah have a really good sports psychology program. So I reached out to Dr. Newton because I knew that she was just on top of the game. She's the director of the program down there, and then she sent me to you. So again, thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate it, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so am I. I'm excited to be here and uh, share you a little bit of my story and hopefully help um, the listeners with um, taking advantage of using mental training to aid in your recovery. That's exciting. Awesome. So before we get to the questions, let's talk a little bit about your background. So besides being a doctor of sports psychology, you're also an ATC, so you're an athletic trainer. You're also a certified strength and conditioning specialist. So you have this really diverse background. Where did you go to college initially? Um, Well, I grew up in South Dakota. So you can think of Laura Ingalls Wilder, Little House on the Prairie. Oh, nice. Um, And so I went to South Dakota State University where they had, ironically, a pioneering program in athletic training. Dr. Jim Boer was there, but I just went there because it was a state school and I wanted to be an athletic trainer right. because of um, the injuries that I endured as a runner and as a gymnast. Okay. So were you a high school runner then? Yeah, I was a high school cross country and track runner, long distance. Um, yeah. And a gymnast. Okay, great. So you grew up running. Uh, did you run in college? I did not. I was an athletic trainer, so okay. it's kind of hard to do both when you're... Yeah, that's true. It is. And I wasn't good enough. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> but you still re- retain that passion, though, for, for running, right? 
Oh yeah, I ran quite a bit in college and ran my first half marathon in college. Like I remember running six miles, like, whoa, I did six miles. Yeah, so I definitely continued on and ran some marathons, trail marathon, regular marathons. Yeah, so yeah, I so like what, to run. So what trail marathon have you done? Uh, the Grand Teton here in my backyard. So it was up Grand Targhee, so uh, 5,000 vertical. Is that the um, one that Lisa, and loss. does Lisa yeah. Smith action? Did she put that on still? Yes. Well, nope. That was the last year I actually ran it. Um, now they have a, a mountain bike Mecca up at Grand Targhee. So there's lots of mountain biking trails. So it's, it's hard to run a race at that time. And now Lisa, she's actually a good friend of mine. She's over in Jackson. Oh, she is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right on. Yeah. She did that race for, for years and years. And that was a long time ago that she did that. Um, but that's yeah, so that's cool been... that you did that. Yeah, it was it was fun. And five days later, after I ran that, I found out I was pregnant. So I ran that marathon pregnant. That, that girl, that's <laughs> I didn't so know awesome. at the time. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. you know, how did you make your way out here to Utah, to the University of Utah? Uh, well, I guess after I finished my undergrad degree in athletic training, I also got my master's in exercise physiology, and that's where the certified and strength conditioning specialist came from. Right. Um, my goal was to be an athletic trainer and teach athletic training, and right out of my master's at 24, I got a job to do that. So I went to Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin, Ashgosh, and moved there and was an athletic trainer and taught athletic training classes for several years. And I really got passionate with the mental aspect of things because I could do all these rehab exercises with the athletes, you know, do all the assessments, but it was really like the psychological piece that I helped them heal. And it was like, how do I build confidence? How do I build motivation? How, you know, how can they feel, believe in their ability when they return to play? Um, plus my twenties were slipping away and I wasn't skiing nearly enough. <laughs> so oh. I, uh, decided to quit my job and my career and I moved to Joshua Tree, California and Wait became an outdoor educator. There's no skiing in and Joshua Tree. No, but I rock climbed, okay. uh, which is another passion of mine. So I climbed and then I got a job at Grand Targhee, a ski patrol. Nice. So, um, yep. So I ski patrolled, but I had already looked at a bunch of programs and decided that, um, University of Utah was like mm, right up there. And as soon as I met Maria Newton, I was like, yep, you're the one. I want to come study with you. <laughs> I know, but you has like um, everything, right? It's got a good foundation of academic rigor, but it's just a stone's throw from the mountains. I know. So I could like, you know, be deep into my, you know, PhD and I could go skiing and climbing within minutes. And so I was like, yeah, I was like, yes, this is what I need. <laughs> this is how I'm going to survive so um, cool. getting my doctorate. Yeah. So yeah. I was, yeah, went to the University of Utah. My back in Driggs um, because I met a boy. And so after uh, I finished my PhD, I moved back up here and got married and had a baby. Right on. That's a great story. I think I think a lot of people have that same experience where they have this craving, this need to be close to the mountains, and they try to figure out that career path that will allow them to get there. And that's so cool to hear your story. Yeah, thanks. Love it. So, again, we're here because one of our, our, one of our good friends, Curtis Thompson, he hurt himself last year and this year. He rolled his ankle really bad to the point where he had to have surgery. 
And I think he's a little nervous. What's going to happen when he goes back to running? That mental state, he, I think he's a little nervous about it. So that's why we're here to discuss that. You know, how can he, I don't want to say efficiently or healthily, get back to that with some confidence, right? But let's back up first. So after somebody gets injured, what is a, what's a good way to kind of deal with that? Because physically, we can say, all right, let's do some, if it's not like something needs to be repaired, let's do some, okay, let's do some immobility, let's do some ice, uh, let's do some gentle stretching and some strengthening exercises. That'll help you get back to the point where you can be mobile and functional again. And then you progress to the point where you're um, restoring proprioception and then, you know, full on activity. But the mental aspect of it is not something that we're so familiar with, right? And I think like mm -hmm. you said, that's that missing point or that missing piece of the puzzle to get an athlete back to where they can be, well, just enjoying the sport again, I think more than anything else. So when they first get injured, what do they normally go through from the yeah, psychological um, point? Yeah, that, what they normally go through, I think it depends on who that person is and their past experiences with injuries. You know, um, one person might be in shock. Another person might get angry. Someone might be confused. Maybe it's a, an elite athlete and they maybe they're relieved because they wanted oh. to stop their career, but they didn't know like how to do it. And that maybe this wasn't a way out for them. Right. And so it's really like dependent on the person. But typically in my experience, like you do your sport because it makes you be the best version of yourself. You love to push your limits. There's just this joy in in doing something that you feel like you're in flow um and so typically people like get injured and it is tough you know you go through these phases of fear and anger am i ever going to get back to it you know it depends on the injury as well like is it something that's been chronic so now you're frustrated because right. this has been happening for like a month or more and you're like what is going on yeah or is it something like oh, I just tweaked it, like, we'll see, and you get back in less than a month, and you're like, oh, okay. And so, yeah, you were frustrated and anger, but it didn't last a long time. And so it's like, where are you in, you know, the severity of the injury as well as, like, how long have you been injured for? Right. So let's break that up then. Let, let's say that we're talking about just normal people, because I think that's who our podcast generally speaks to, is that everyday runner. Mm -hmm. So if we have uh, just a, a normal mid-pack runner and let's say they have an, a catastrophic injury, right? That requires them to stop running for at least six weeks, if not more. Mm -hmm. So let's use that as our model for discussion. Then. Okay. Sounds great. So how how is that person going to probably, so what's the best way for them to react to that injury then? <laughs> okay. I say the what best tool set? Yeah, what tool set are you going to give them to to deal with it in a healthy manner? Yeah, um, but I think that's a good point. Like people want to know what what's the best way, right? right? 
like what's what's the best way? I think that's a really great question. So I don't mean to laugh at it because that's that's a valid like question. Um, and I think like the best way is like like honor what you're going through. Um, I think I like that. Too often, like it's like I want things, you know. Oh, I want like to be happy and I want to be healthy and I want this and I want that. But as soon as like we hit a roadblock and things aren't a hundred percent, like what, what's going on? Like, no, why am I sick? Why am I this? You know? And so I think you have to allow those like feelings to bubble up, right? Honor, like this is a tough time. It is, you know, yeah. our, our so good I friend, think... do you know who Ty Draney is? Mm -mm, I don't. So, so Ty Draney is an ultra runner who lives in Afton, Wyoming. He is a, a Patagonia sponsored ultra runner. He's the race director for El Vaquero Loco, probably one of the prettiest oh, okay. trail yep. races that, that I've ever done. And one of his favorite sayings is respect the process, you know, because mm -hmm. he comes at it from a coaching perspective. You know, you got to respect the process of, of building yourself up over a course of three, six, nine, 12, 15 months. And I really like what you said. You have to honor this. That's a great saying. Yeah. Um, because I mean, it is normal as human beings. It's very natural to feel pain and suffering. And so now you have just like this physical pain, right? Like this physical injury. And so sometimes I use like the mnemonic go far and the F is feel like feel into this. What's causing you pain right now, mentally, physically, emotionally. I mean, if you're listening to this, you could hit pause and just like write a suffering inventory. Ooh. Just like what is going on I and like just that. like let it rip. Like, no one's going to read this, right? Just let it rip and just like, you can swear, you can do whatever you want on this thing. And just like, honor what you're going through because it can be traumatic. This okay. is part of your identity, you know? So for some people, this is like, um, you can get in a pain cave really, really fast. So just let it come out. And in our society, and I've been taught this and I work on this, but we like suppress our feelings and so don't deny what's going on if it's like going into traffic and you're trying to stop traffic like no i do not want to feel sadness that car needs to stop right now <laughs> versus like seeing the sadness car and just let it go like okay i am sad right um but then it, it is a slippery slope because you don't want to spiral down into this negativity like rah, rah, rah. and so you know, after the suffer inventory, just letting it rip, you know, day to day things. One thing is sometimes labeling it. Okay. So like acknowledge, like I am whatever, like one word, like I am scared. Like, and then for 30 seconds out loud, I, this sounds so cheesy, but <laughs> if we were to do this, like scared, scared, just repeat that scared, 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 scared. And then you start to listen to what you're saying and it's hard to even say it. And so this emotion that is, feels like it has such a tight grip over you, it starts to loosen its grip. If right. I do this with athletes, they start smiling because they're like, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> um, and so it changes their mood from just feeling scared or alone or nervous, whatever that is, to being like, oh, this is just an emotion. It's not really who I am at my core. It's just an experience I'm having right now. Right. 
So in your in your go far, your first one you said was feel. Mm -hmm. So what's the the A and the R then? The A would be to accept. Okay, accept. So like the feel, another thing I say is like I am like I am scared. Accept. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be sad. Like you don't know what's going on. We're wired to have a fear of the unknown right and you don't know like how the surgery is going to go you don't know how you're going to come back you know and with injuries it's not a linear process right so many like, I have friends going through rehab right now like I just thought if I had surgery and you know do this this exercise in however many weeks I'd be back and it's like yeah it's kind of like an up and down <laughs> you make progress but there's up and down to it okay and so this, this acceptance, like it's, it's okay. So that's the honor part. Okay, great. And then the R is, um, recovery. And does that this mean is a, like physical recovery or, or more well, of a men, or is, both mental? This is more like a mental recovery of if you've ever gone through a hardship, it's really hard as you're going through the dark. But if you look back on it, it typically made you stronger in some way. Mm, that's so, true. yeah, so this is this hardship is an opportunity if you allow it to be. Oh, I like that. You have to allow that. Mm hmm. So you have to allow the recovery to happen like your body can only send so many, let's say, like osteoblasts and whatever, all the, you know, physiological things. Like if you break a bone, it's 68 weeks. Your body right. cannot heal much faster than that. Um, and so, like, it's an opportunity to grow if you allow it to be. And if you think of, like, a run where you felt just, like, really crappy, you didn't want to do it, you started out and your legs are heavy like bricks, mm -hmm. but you found a way to move on. And sometimes some of those are like the best workouts and the best runs ever. Oh, they are. If you got to give it a mile, right? Yeah, you got to warm up. And so this is the same thing as you're going through this injury. It's like, you know, you've been through this road before. It's a different road, but you felt crappy before. You didn't really want to do this. But you, as a runner, you kind of find a way to get into that rhythm and that groove and you trust that it's, it's different. It's not the same as running. Like nothing's going to replace running. I'm not going to tell you to go do arts and crafts because you know, because <laughs> <No. laughs> it's not the same. And so that's the honoring part. Like, it's not the same. I know. Like, like you want your fix. Like I want my fix too. <laughs> oh, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> and so how can you like find a way to maybe see this positive, mindset or be in this present moment or let things bubble up so they can just be released man that is some awesome stuff and great tips i think so far um you have to feel it you can't like wall it off that's so true right and mm -hmm. you have to, you have to accept it and then you have to let the the process happen not only physically but mentally um but as runners, you know, we're so used to pushing through and, and mm -hmm. like said, falling off that, that pain and discomfort. We're creatures of habit, 
right? Because because we yes. want to get, like you said, into that flow state because a lot of, we solve a lot of problems in that state of mind. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of endorphins that are, that are involved in that as well. And it, it just makes us a better version of who we are. But when that's then disrupted, you know, we can easily throw this acronym at them, go far and explain to them, but what other like little tidbits, whatever suggestions, what other tools are you going to give somebody then to work mm. on like every day? Something small, something attainable that they can see then, okay, this is actually working. My, my mindset is actually starting to change. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Before I get into the tools, um, I also think it's important to realize, because you mentioned endorphins and things like that, like when you're running, you're setting these little mini goals, right? You're training for something or you, at least you got out the door or you're trying to decrease your time or your mileage or, you know, you have all these little, little micro goals that you set for yourself. And when you do that, not only like the running in and itself is releasing endorphins, but dopamine a feel-good hormone is released when you achieve goals right and so right now you're not getting and so i mentioned that because you're not getting all those feel-good hormones and so like how can we set these other little micro goals for yourself so you're getting you can't physically do it through running but maybe help you through getting a shot of dopamine through a little bit of a goal okay and so with the mental training, um, we, we like rewards. You know, you mentioned creatures of habits. We like rewards. And dopamine is released when we get a reward. And so as you're going through, like, rehab or something like that, um, give yourself a reward. And this is going to sound childish, but think of, like, the first reward you ever got as a child. Oh man. Like mine was like a sticker, a smiley face sticker for my times tables, learning yeah. them in like third grade. Oh man. Right? So we've got a, my son, he's going into third grade next year, and we are going over times table. I, I know it's the summer, but we want him <laughs> we want him to like have the times table down before he gets to third grade. And we've got a sticker set that we're gonna give him if he gets it all right. That's so <laughs> funny you mentioned that. <laughs> no. see exactly but you get really excited about it you can hear it in your voice if you think of something this little like mundane reward I know. Like, what but if you like sit down like okay i did my rehab today and you have your calendar and you put that sticker like woohoo i'm i'm getting one step closer you yeah. know like boom you know like mental training like maybe i sat down and journaled you know for five minutes about what's going on like that's going to help me you know everyone's different in their tools but like journaling is typically a universal thing most people like to do it or draw you know right. just like some type of like creative release and like okay i'm going to do that through this process boom i get a sticker every day i'm doing it and then you look back and you're like wow actually I, i've actually been working towards this because with the mental training it takes a while. You don't feel that burn in your legs, you know, when you're running. Right. Um, it takes a while to put some money in the bank. Okay. And then you put money in the bank. It's like a dollar every day, a hundred dollars every day. And all of a sudden you have thousands of dollars. You're like, whoa. And you have these epiphany moments, but it takes 
the mental training typically takes a little while, week, two weeks to start seeing the benefits because you're like, why am I doing this? Right. Um, so some of the mental training, not all of it, but um, like say like meditating or breathing, things like that. Okay. So is that something um, that you're going to, that, that you were going to recommend then is going through just a daily dose of meditation then? Yeah, I think I think that's actually really healthy because a lot of people deal with anxiety, right? Like, I run because I'm a naturally anxious person. Like, okay. I work out because it's like, I'm kind of buzzing, right? Okay. And, like, running or my sports helps to ground me. And right. so, and you're naturally anxious through, like, you don't know what's going to happen. Okay. And so just taking some time to, like, just get settled and breathing like in and out, like breathing deeply first, like into your belly and then out and then into your belly and then moving up into like your rib cage right. and out and then all the way up to the upper chest. Because when we get stressed and anxious, we breathe shallow and fast. And when we breathe fat, shallow and fast, like, our body sends signals to our mind that we're nervous and then our mind sends signals to our body that we're nervous and anxious. And so um, breathing is the fastest way to like balance out that stress response. Okay. So that fight or flight, that, right. that anxious, that adrenaline um, that you might be feeling from not knowing what's going to happen. Okay. I like it. That's a good one. So, Instituting some sort of daily mindfulness, whether it be mm -hmm. um, meditating, uh, maybe a mild form of yoga, if they can. So if they're injured, they you, know, you don't want to place them in a situation where they can, you know, make that injury worse. But they can do like seated yoga, right? Something like that. So yeah. that way, they're trying to be mindful of their their presence, of how they're breathing how they feel and at the same time that's then kind of re i don't want to see re rewiring the mind but it's changing their perception therefore then their body responds to that thought pattern correct yes that's correct i like nope, it. that is that is exactly correct and you know if you're in a habit of running at 6 a.m every morning um, the body and mind really likes routine that calms the nervous system. Like I know when I'm going to eat, you know, I have these, like I eat at noon, I eat at six, you know, like the body really likes that. It likes to know what to expect. And so if you've just completely stopped running cause you can't and haven't filled up that space with anything, the body also like subconsciously is also like, okay, what's going on? I'm used to like getting up and going for my run. And so replacing this, light yoga, relaxation, um, mindfulness in, in, in like a substitute for the running for a time being. Okay. I think that's really powerful. Um, I think that'd be great for somebody to do, uh, so immediately post injury or, or even post surgery, right? So that they're filling that, that time space with a new activity that's going to then help them during the recovery process. So once they've kind of got that in their back pocket, that's part of their tool set, they're getting further along in their recovery, 
What's going to be the next step for them then? Mm, yeah, I think the mind is, is super powerful. And so I think the way you go about rehab and like the pain that you're experiencing, like, oh, I'm pain, like, rrr, rrr, you know, the little soft talk that you potentially can go into, <laughs> like, what is going on? I don't know. Um, I also think you need to have a way to manage and cope with the pain. Okay. And so like in this ankle injury, and can you like with those painful areas as you're starting to gain more range of motion, can you breathe into that area and use some form of imagery? So thinking of this fiery burning pain and then imagining that red burning pain turning into like a soothing cool blue okay or can you grab imaginary remote and like all right i'm just i'm turning down the volume or i'm turning down the dial of this pain maybe i'm at a pain of seven but can i just close my eyes and just breathe into this area um i've had a climbing um uh, a climber who imagined like the dark broken areas and it was actually an ankle injury and she imagined like healing white light coming in and okay. the doctors were surprised <laughs> of how fast she healed and she was in her 40s That's awesome. um yeah and this is also like not like this voodoo stuff um <laughs> now with like it, with like functional imagery with MRIs, things like that, we can start to see like different areas of the brain light up. And in the late nineties, John Kabat-Zinn, who's like kind of the father of modern mindfulness, he did this study with people with psoriasis. So mm -hmm. a skin disorder and they sat in light therapy boxes. And so they're just sitting in there getting their dose of light therapy. And he's like, Hey, how about we, um, do some mindfulness meditation and healing and just have people just listen to it since they're in there for 15 minutes, you might as well. Um, and so they just did this really pilot, the small pilot study. And what they found was the people who got the mindfulness meditations, the imagery of healing, they healed four times faster. Wow. That's they were amazing. shocked. Yeah. And so they actually repeated the study and did like a full blown study and they got the same results. With uh, so a different, a different group. So it wasn't psoriasis. Did they do it with somebody else? No, they did it with psoriasis again. Okay. Um, Just to yeah. repeat the, the effect. Right. Yep. To see okay. if it was repeatable. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And so like, your mind you only have it's a muscle you only have so much energy in your like there's only so your energy is a limited resource just like your muscle and so how do you want to spend this precious time and energy as you're going through this rehab process you know do you want it to be filled up with worry and anxiety or do you want it to be filled up with like okay, I'm healing, I'm doing everything I can and just building confidence along this process. Like, you know what, I'm going to have hurdles and I'm going to like deal with these hurdles as they come. I know this isn't going to be a perfect 
process. Um, And so as they're progressing this breathing, can they use a little bit of imagery to maybe let go of anything that they don't need mentally, physically, emotionally, and start to like, okay, what is it that I do need? What's going to, what do I want to put in my bucket? What do I want to carry with me? Right. So with this visualization, and so we're going to talk about this in the sense of Curtis's injury with his injured injured ankle. So when he's at, say, at home and he's practicing his meditation or mindfulness, or if he's at physical therapy and he is on the Easton machine, he can be visualizing um, that, that powerful white light coming into his ankle, repairing, helping to repair his tendons and ligaments. Once he kind of gets that down and, and he's comfortable and at peace with that process, he can then take that practice, that thing that he learned there to that next level when he's actually starting to, say, walk without the, the boot or starting to jog on the treadmill, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, having this vision of like, okay, because you still have the muscle memory. You still right. have that filing cabinet in your brain. You just It just hasn't been firing. Um, and so you can actually use imagery for like, okay, how is it that I walk? You know, like how is it that I run? How do I flex my ankle? Where does my body land, you know, like heel or midfoot or, you know, right. like how do I shift my weight and toe off and just like start to imagine. So the thing is about your brain, it doesn't know the difference between real or imaginary. It just does what it tells you to do. So it doesn't know like anxiety. I live in bear country. It doesn't know if like I'm nervous about going for my first like walk after I get out of the boot. It doesn't know the difference between that versus like if I run into a mama bear and her cubs. Like both are anxiety provoking. Yeah, but and mama so your bear body cubs just... is much scarier. To be honest, <laughs> it is much scarier. But who is to say that's much scarier? It might be really scary for Curtis to go for his first run. That might be very anxiety provoking. I'm not the one to say if it is or isn't, right? No, like, true. Um, <laughs> Poor Curtis is going to get eaten by the bear. <laughs> <laughs> But your body just releases the necessary stress hormones, right? Like I'm stressed, boom, like I'm releasing all these stress hormones. And so, so the same thing goes with imagery, like your body doesn't know the difference. Sure. Like that motor program, if you're actually walking, those motor neurons are firing at like with more amplitude and more frequency because you're actually doing the activity. So with imagery, you're not getting the same amplitude as if you were actually doing the activity, but you're still sender, sending that motor program to right. your ankle. Yeah, that signal's that, still going down its normal process. Yes, yep, you've built that neural pathway. And so now you're just strengthening it with imagery. So it's like, as you get closer, you're like, okay, here's how I wanna walk, you know, and just remembering that as well as with that imagery, like, what is it like, that you like about trail running? You know, is it the smell of the dirt? Um, you know, is it feeling sweaty, dirty, happy? That's like why I do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like the birds, whatever it is. Like, can you evoke more of your senses to help that image come alive? And that just helps that neural program even more. That's awesome. So, 
one thing you touched on was that you know that neural pathways there, and there, during the the injury process, it's not being called upon because you're not say you're not walking, you're not running, or or you're not you're in the boot and it, the normal gait function and cycles being disrupted. But through visualization, you can keep that neural pathway somewhat fresh. Is that what you're mm -hmm. saying? Yes. It's still, mm -hmm. it's more efficient through visualization than to come back to that activity stagnant. Is that what I'm hearing yes. you say? Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that, yep, that's, exactly. that in itself, I mean, besides being, besides implementing mindfulness, meditation, and visualization, I think that's another really strong takeaway is that you're going to recover faster just mm -hmm. thinking about it because then your neural pathway is primed, right? To yes. accept that behavior again or accept that, that movement pattern again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I start with the breathing first because <clears throat> for some people, including myself, imagery is hard. And so it's like you can't, even though you really want to run a marathon tomorrow, like you kind of need to train. <laughs> so even bit. though you really want to do imagery to get the most bang for your buck, you really need to understand like how, how to relax first, like how to be able to focus for like a period of time. And so that's right. why I introduced like even like breathing for a minute and just being able to focus because your mind's going to wander that's what it does that's its job is to evaluate judge things like that so it's right. like if you want to do imagery it's like how can like you just sit and be still for a while with yourself and then those images will become more clear and vivid and you're able to manage and navigate them better okay. versus just doing a cold turkey all right so we've discussed the the immediate injury the recovery process. So now let's touch on Curtis is ready to run again. He's out of the boot. He's actually been Yay! cleared by the therapist Yippee, to get back to running. Oh man, he's mm -hmm. nervous. His first day on the trail. Has the tool set that he's built up, is that adequate at that point? Or is there something else that you're going to recommend Curtis do? Hmm. Hmm. And I have How? to talk to Curtis because yeah. there's going to be a, there's going to be a hurdle okay. like, and so like, like not being naive to that obstacle, like it may not go as well as you hope. Like right. you may feel strong, right? Like cardiovascularly, you may feel strong, but you may have pain. Right. right? And so like being honest of like, what are potential things? And like, sometimes there's if then statements, if this happens, then I'm going to do that. And just right. being prepared. Um, okay. the other thing is, um, and this is like race day stuff too. It's like when we're running, we're always like trying to work on our weaknesses. How can we be more efficient? You know, right. like you're judging, evaluating, and that's the same in rehab as well. But then when you go mm -hmm. to race day or say like your first day out, like we need to play on our strengths, not our weaknesses. So okay. there's a shift that needs to happen. So in this rehab process and what's running, um, it's about not worrying about your weaknesses. You've done everything you can up to that point. There's nothing that you can change. And now it's like, okay, what is it that I, what is, what is it that makes me a good runner? Right. You know, it, it, it's my determination. Great. Well, if it's your determination, is that going to get in your way? 
because you're like, oh, the PT said one mile, but I'm really going to do two. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which I had all the time as an athletic trainer. Like, I'm like, look at me in the eye. That's one right. mile. You got it? <laughs> one. <laughs> and they're totally shaking their head yes, but you could see it in their eyes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, don't come back. I would say that. Don't come back to me if you get injured again, then I don't want I don't want to deal with you. Like right. I would literally have those conversations. Like there's a reason why there's a progression. And so like play to your strengths, but don't let them like also hinder you because for every strength, there's a weakness, right? Like right. you, um, you can be really gritty or determined, but sometimes that gets you injured because you don't know when to stop. <laughs> um, so think about like, yeah, think about your strengths and how you want to play with them. And regardless of what happens, you get to be on the trail. Okay. I, I think that's um, a good message to send to Curtis. I think he'll appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And then I think we always forget about the post routine as well. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we improve because we're learning, you know, like, hence, like why I said about the journaling, it's like, how do we see our patterns? And some of those patterns are great and they're healthy and we want to keep doing them, but there's also bad patterns we have. <laughs> and so I think sometimes the post routine is a good idea of like, okay, like just reflecting on what went well. Right. Um, what went well? So you can remain motivated because you're, you're likely to have pain or want to go farther or there's all these like, potentially negative things that happen. So after you're done, like what went well, I listened to my PT, even though I wanted to go farther, you know, like what right. are the little things that, that you're doing to help yourself in the process. And that releases dopamine and serotonin and all those feel good hormones. Like, okay, I'm doing this. So I think that when you're focusing on those things that went well, will that then help when something doesn't go well? in that in that initial stage of getting back to activity because you're like you said you're always going to run into a hurdle at that point so then can mm -hmm. you fall back on those things that you've done well and say even though i've run up against this this roadblock i know i've put in the, the time and the effort and those things that i do do well or have done well in the past will get me through this roadblock yeah um yeah definitely those small victories we need to recognize them that's what gets us to those bigger goals okay. is recognizing those small victories um tim ferris who's like the four-hour body in the four-hour work week and, yeah i know who he is and for sure yes so um i do this for my athletes but i i thought his way was even better than mine um he has what's called the jar of awesome or jar, jar of, of awesome. awesomeness okay jar of awesomeness and so you know he's a pretty creative dude and so what he does is like every day or every week I can't remember exactly how often he does it but he writes basically what went well like what am I doing what are my strengths and he writes it down on just a small little piece of paper folds it in half and puts it in a big mason jar labeled the jar of awesome <laughs> so when he's feeling unmotivated and not creative he has these self-made fortune cookies that he just like grabs a handful oh. and reads them and like, oh yeah, I am doing a good job. Oh yeah, I forgot I learned that. Because we're wired to remember the negative things. This is how we survived. You know, like good we didn't point. survive, you know, we survived because 
oh, that tiger's bad. I don't want to go to that tiger or that snake, you know, like I need to keep healthy. And so we often like the positives slide off like Teflon and the (laughs) negatives stick like Velcro. And so we have to be very conscious of remembering the positive things. And so we're celebrating those small victories, what went well. The jar one little other (laughs) the jar of awesomeness. And uh, Barbara Fredrickson at Harvard University did some pretty interesting work on self-talk. And what she found um, through some mental imaging um, is for every one negative that you say, to balance that out, just the tipping point, just to make it equal, we need three positives. Wow. And if we want to be in the positive zone for every one negative, we need five. And so as he's... Curtis is going to this, you know, first day of running, like, what are those five strengths that he can rely on when like that anxiety and that fear creeps its ugly little head that he can be like, you know what? Yep. It's, it's there. Okay. Thank you. You're trying to keep me safe because that's what our brain does. It doesn't care about how far we run (laughs) or if we win, it cares about keeping us safe. Like, thank you. But here I'm, I'm, I'm working on these strengths or this is why, you know, I like to run even though when those things pop up. Wow, that's, I think that's a really good thing to remind just about anybody, though, is you need, it's a one to three ratio, but really it's more of a one to five ratio. Mm-hmm. And that that could be pretty much for everyday life. It doesn't have to be for this, you know, I know we're focusing on injury for this particular episode, but in our, not only in our daily life, but also in our training, that would be really helpful to have if we can start developing Definitely. that. Mm-hmm. Of just like, what are those little things like? And so when that negative, like we all have negative talk, we, we can't control the thoughts that come into our head, we can only really manage our reaction to it. And so knowing that these things are going to naturally pop up and already having something to counter it or reframe the blame, sometimes I say, um, to counter it, it's like, okay. yeah, reframe the blame, like, oh, I'm, I'm not fit enough. I'm too heavy, you know, for those everyday things. Like when you're running, like, oh, I shouldn't have ate that extra piece of pizza last night. (laughs) All those things like, you know what? That's okay. You can't be perfect all the time or, you know, like I'm doing these other things. So I know this, this is going to get us off topic and into a different direction, but at what point do you actually start passing the buck then instead of actually owning up to it? Because you, you can say that, you'd be like, okay, I know I'm not perfect, I kind of let it go, but if you do that too often, you don't own up to the reality of the situation sometimes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, um, yeah, that's that's a good question. Maybe we'll save that for that's... a different time, but I, I just didn't, I didn't want people to think that, you know, even though that's a really good, you know, part of your tool set, it's also really good to kind of recognize that I think that you do have to own up to some things, right? Right. Yeah. You need like that structure and those systems and be consistent, you know, like that's that consistency helps you to achieve your goals. Right. So every time something goes wrong, it's like, it's not my fault. Like, whatever. I'm a good. Yeah. There's yeah. like definitely that aspect of like, no, this is a pattern. This is a habit. This right. is not serving me anymore. And I need, exactly. I need to like 
face it and deal with it and I can't keep shoving it into the closet. Sometimes I call those bobs. Bobs. For okay. um yeah, big old bully. Big So old boy. it might be yeah. Okay, so what so tell me about <laughs> that real quick. well, Bob is those things that keep reoccurring, right? And Bob keeps coming to your door and maybe you're not owning up to it. And so maybe you let Bob in and you put him in the closet or you shut the slam the door in Bob's face. So sometimes like my Bob is like, I'm not good enough. So that might be like, oh, I'm not good enough, you know? And so I have to deal with Bob sometimes. And sometimes I invite Bob for tea and I'm like, okay, what is going on? Like, Okay, so <laughs> this my is for my real. bob is ice cream. Your Bob is ice cream, so Yeah. you just love ice cream. Oh my gosh, I have such an unhealthy relationship with ice cream. <laughs> so is ice cream a reward for you for your effort that you put in for the day? Or what is ice cream? No, definitely not a reward for the effort I put in. It's, I think it's a way of, In the past, it's been a way of coping with, with stress. Well, I think I need to go back to my childhood. I really like ice cream. And I think it was kind of like one of my first rewards from either my parents or my grandparents. And so I have this deeply ingrained love of ice cream. And now when I get stressed, that's like my go-to. I deserve it, That or right? Nutella. I, I can crush a thing in Nutella, no problem. <laughs> Nutella <laughs> is is good. oh my gosh, you get, you get a jar of Nutella and a spoon. <laughs> Oh, it, it, at the moment, yeah, and it's, some it's of those wonderful. might be physiological. Oops, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I think at the moment it's wonderful. But then the, the, the post euphoria, you know, you just have that discomfort, you feel terrible and you know, oh my gosh, I know I shouldn't do this. And you wake up the next day, okay. Today, I'm not going to touch that ice cream. But then something along the line during the day, just it, it just kicks it and you just can't like ignore it. It's a hard cycle to break, but also it's a physiological thing, too, because I know I'm a pretty strong sugar addict. Mm-hmm. And it's this, this, this tough cycle to break. And I think we're kind of getting really off topic here. Holy cow. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about this later. yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll talk about this <laughs> off air. <laughs> okay. we'll set up a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. yeah. So I think that we did a good job of covering a tool set that, tur that Curtis can, I almost said turtle. He's one of our friends, Turtle Miller. <laughs> That's another issue that maybe you and I need to talk about. Um, but Curtis, he's got a really good tool set now that he can build upon and implement in his recovery process. <laughs> Um, and is there anything else that you wanted to add that we didn't cover? hmm I guess with the recovery hmm you know one other thing is maybe creating like a passion statement or like a vision board or something that like reminds you like what why is this such a big deal to you because you're gonna get unmotivated and how do you get those engines firing again when you don't feel like doing this rehab that you've been doing for months because you're running again and so like trying to remember like what
what feels amazing about this right. um so that you can kind of persist through it's another way if you're not really into writing that jar of awesome maybe you're more of a visual learner and so you have like this little vision board of a few like race bibs or magazine you know magazine right. pictures or something that you just like see on a regular basis like okay this is tough but like i'm, I'm getting back like gotcha. that might be another another little tidbit depending on what kind of learner you are right Pierce is a pretty good learner he's a smart dude yeah he's gonna love this <laughs> <laughs> good i'm glad well i think that i i covered everything that i wanted to cover for curtis today um and i thank you for for coming on the show you're you're an awesome guest and i want to get you back on in the future because there's this whole other side of sports psychology that we didn't even cover, and that is the psychology of performance and how you mm -hmm. can how you can you know perform at an optimal level, not only physically but you know psychologically, and that's something that we definitely don't work on, or at least we don't we don't intentionally work on it. And I think it would be a really good thing for our listeners to have another. We always talk about expanding your tool set and the tool set that we've covered so far in the past is have a guy or a gal that is steeped in really good massage technique we've also talked about finding a coach that you work well with because then they'll help you you know get outside your comfort zone and grow as a, as, as a runner and an athlete and now we're touching on this, which is going to be, you know, we always, with the very rare exception of the outlier, we're always going to face some sort of injury, whether it be chronic or acute. So now we have a tool set for that. But now we have to expand and bring in that next one, which is going to be performance. So I would really like to sit down and talk to you about that in the future as well. Yeah, I would love to. That would be really fun. I like to talk shop, so. Yeah, you're, <laughs> hey, you're awesome. Okay, Chris, thank you very much for your time. I, I really appreciate it, and I think our listeners are really going to like it. Great. Um, uh, yeah, it was an honor being here. Thank you. Okay. Again, this is the Trail Manners Podcast, episode 89. I'm your host, Joel Hatch, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. We'd like to thank Dr. Chris Heilman for taking the time to join us today. You can check more of Dr. Chris Heilman out at mindset-coach.com. That's mindset with that little hyphen, coach.com. We'll have that in our show notes. We also encourage everybody to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners or swing by the website at trailmanners.com. Don't forget to stock up on your swag and rights or you can hit us up on the contact page. Let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or if you would like to be on the show. Until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it.